Hello, I'm Rob Hartnett, and you are very welcome to the Sport for Business podcast. Today, we are talking inclusion and the importance of sport doing more to be welcoming to, in particular, the LGBTQ community. It's Pride Month, and the march has taken place in Dublin with its usual mix of colour and laughter, though still with an undercurrent that we are nowhere near being there in terms of a full welcome for those seen as being in some way different. One of the companies that has been doing the best they can, and which this year introduced an allyship alley at the stadium which bears its name, is Aviva. We sat down with Brian O'Neill, the company's head of sponsorship and sustainability here in Ireland, to talk about the importance of doing the right thing for the right reasons. The issue, I think, can come, you know, and this is one of the things where particularly where one is communicating in relation to diversity, equity, inclusion, which includes the LGBT and climate, it's really important that one is able to stand over anything you communicate uh, externally and that you're not accused of either rainbow washing, virtue signaling, uh, greenwashing in the case of climate. We also chat about employment, the importance of speaking to the right people, about gender identity and plenty more. So let's see where we got to. Well, hello, Brian. Uh, you're very welcome to Sport for Business. Delighted to have you on the podcast. Um, Aviva has been a real long time supporter of Pride activities and yeah. coming up with initiatives that have got imagination, but also that have got a sense of of, of genuine uh, you know, purpose about them. Why is it that it matters to Aviva to be involved with Pride? We, we, we use a very simple phrase in relation to what we're trying to do uh, for our LGBT uh, plus community and indeed all of our other communities. We want uh, people to be able to bring the best version of themselves to work. Um, and that means that regardless of your sex, your sexual orientation, um, your color, your race, your creed, that you can come into Aviva and be very comfortable to express yourself and to be able to discuss and articulate who you are, what you do, in a way that doesn't obviously encroach upon your working life or your relationship with others in work. So obviously the you know LGBT as, a, as an issue for us in Ireland is something we are on the one hand very proud of in terms of our support and a real tangible support for what the LGBT plus community has done Obviously, we also remain concerned at when we see attacks on the LGBT community, um, when we still hear stories that they, you know, from uh, members of our staff who are concerned about uh, not being able to hold their partner's hand or express themselves freely in society. So we think Pride Week is a tremendous celebration on the one hand, but it's a really, really important and tangible way where businesses like Aviva and indeed all sections of society can come together and express their support for those in the LGBT community. So it's it's not just about the parades or the manifestation of it. It's actually the underlying meaning behind it. Uh, and that is, that is why we try to, it's not just a, um, about walking the parade. And I think indeed some in the community have expressed concern that everybody wants to get involved in Pride Month, Pride Week, but there's another 11 months of the year. And we would absolutely echo that. So, uh, but 
during this month, it's an opportunity to do so um, uh, externally. We, but we also try and uh, demonstrate that the other 11 months of the year in terms of what we do internally uh, and also what we do externally working with tremendous charities like, like Belong To uh, and Outhouse, you know, which are very effective advocates of programs, policies and supports for the LGBT plus community. And those are 365 day of the year partnerships, which is really yeah. important. One of the things that I've always liked about what you do and how you do it in relation to this is the fact that this isn't a marketing initiative. This isn't driven by how we are going to be seen from the outside world. It comes, and I've spoken to you know to your colleagues down the years as well, this very much comes from your own internal pride committee. And the way that they want the company to be seen, right. they, you know, the way that they want it to be open for, you know, for people of, of all activities. Um, from a marketing perspective, though, and that's, you know, where that's where you sit, does that sometimes create a little bit of a of a speed bump where what, you know, what those who matter most want might not necessarily always be deliverable? And is it possible or indeed you know, is it something that you're comfortable with pushing back on some of the initiatives that might? Come yeah, up? so I, 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 I think that, um, yeah, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head in terms of as a marketeer or a communicator, um, you should be both communicating what it is the company uh, stands for, the activities that it engages in, and then you should also be reflecting back internally the views of customers and consumers, informing the rest of your colleagues such that they can develop policies, products, services. The issue I think can come, you know, and this is one of the things where particularly where one is communicating in relation to diversity, equity, inclusion, which includes the LGBT and climate, it's really important that one is able to stand over anything you communicate uh, externally and that you're not accused of either rainbow washing, virtue signaling, uh, greenwashing in the case of climate. So, you know, I am a communicator and I, I head up sponsorship, but I'm also the head of sustainability. So I, I, I'm part of the, the content as well as the communication of it. And I'll give you a real example of things that, you know, we need to make and are beginning to make more progress on. So, you know, we obviously understand that we have a very impatient uh, LGBT community, but Things like, for instance, introducing non-binary titles and uh, into all of our documentation, into our applications. Um, they take time. They take time to develop systems and change things because literally you've had a Mr. and Mrs. or Miss column in all of your application forms. Um, and um, now, because society is about obviously men, women, non-binary. So we've got to make that change and reflect that change. Um, and some of the, and you know, that is something that, you know, as I said, we're very, we are, we are keen to do, but it, you know, it's really important as well that you do that um, and you put in place pragmatic solutions for members of the LGBT plus community. Um, in, in addition to that, you know, you talk about speed bumps. We've got things like gender pay gap, which is not where we want it to be. Um, 
yes, we've, we've, we've made great strides. I know we're moving slightly out of LGBT, but it's just showing you some of the complexities that, you know, in terms of trying to elevate and promote um, member, you know, females, and as I said, from other races into senior roles. And the key thing for an organization such as us, which is obviously espousing equal opportunity, is it doesn't become, uh, it, it's affirmative action rather than putting in place quotas and putting in place actions which is which are which not are seen but could end up as an unintended uh, circumstance discriminating against somebody else in the community what you need is to be able to look back after a period of time whether it be five years or ten years or even longer and look back and say well did i do enough at enough of a pace to actually make a difference and that can sometimes be hard to judge when you're in the midst of it absolutely absolutely and and uh, you know even in terms of the um you know the whole you know particularly we, we we had a situation um you know last year where obviously you know there was a lot of publicity in relation to you know trans uh, members of the trans community playing rugby and getting involved uh, in rugby and then the IRB and the IRFU and the FAI made a determination on medical grounds in relation to that. And that that is obviously something that would create, uh, cause a lot of discussion within the community overall and our little community as a subset of the, the overall community. And those are, those are things one has got to navigate very carefully because on the one hand, you're trying to demonstrate support for your own community but on the other hand, you've got uh, a sporting body that is obviously supporting what it's trying to do with medical evidence to do that. And one of the things one's got to do as a uh, either as a sponsor and indeed as a, I guess, a, an organization that's involved in DEIA is DEI is understanding the boundaries of one's expertise and how far one, one should go in terms of getting involved in policies. Uh, and commenting on other organizations. Um, because as I said, somebody could equally say, well, I was on the phone the other day and you didn't have those forms um, to recognize the fact that I'm a non-binary person. I asked for a, I asked for a you know, form which said non-binary and it's not there yet. And we've only started to introduce uh, those sort of uh, changes. Okay. You mentioned earlier on about the the sort of the accusations that can sometimes be leveled at um you know at pink washing or at jumping on a bandwagon and yeah. everybody wants to you know wants to be part of the the rainbow now in june whereas 10 years ago it was a, it was a, a very brave decision to actually sort of step into that world is it something that is still there or do you feel as though as a society you know, you being an organization that is very much sort of upfront and willing to actually fly the flag, willing to light up the stadium in, in, in rainbow colors. Yeah. Do you feel as though the debate has moved on or is it still something that you need to prepare for, that you're going to be accused from within the community you're trying to help of doing it for an ulterior motive? Um, I, 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 I think at one level, for the reasons you've described, I think we've got a certain, we've got a certain amount of credibility in the bank uh, and we have demonstrated you know that we're not just there for the pride month so we do have some credibility but um you could never rest on your laurels and assume that that would exonerate you from any 
you know, criticism from, you know, a, you know, a party uh, within, you know, as I said, the community, because I know, you know, from their point of view, as I've said, like, you know, and there's been a lot of coverage uh, recently in relation to, you know, the positive developments that have taken place since the the, the massive uh, uh, marriage referendum, but at the same time, the frustration uh, that we still have significant elements of misogyny and uh, uh, antipathy towards the LGBT plus community, and um, there are still there are you know there are still and I fully agree with them. There are still long a long way to go. I mean, one example of the one that I fully understand. I mean, we've had a an, L, uh, an LGBT uh, plus rugby team at the, the Emerald Warriors for many years, and I I see they're setting up uh, separate. Uh, they've set up a separate GA club with teams, and I fully understand the wishes and the needs of communities to do that. You know, but one would hope we get to a day where that's not needed. That you know they can f- feel fully accommodated and can join the local GAA club or the local rugby club and play in the local rugby club and and that we can we can come up with some formula way means that everybody including the trans community can play in some shape form of rugby as i said i can't comment on the med- the medical aspects of what type of rugby that should be or who they should play rugby with but that's what you're trying to get to i mean the the ultimate aim is equality full equality and at one level, yeah, it, we have it in theory, but in practice, it's it's not there as as yet. And um, I think in the job market, you know, certainly, um, you know, one would would hope that uh, that people are not being discriminated against on the basis of their sexual orientation in the job market. But again, you 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 just don't know. You you know. Um, you know, uh, you know, and one would hope that that is not taking place. You would hope that if I wanted to be a teacher, it wouldn't matter whether I was, Correct. you know, regardless of, of gender, race, creed, color, any anything, that that's not Correct. what defines me. I'm defined by being a teacher and that none of Correct. the rest what's going on in my in my private life or or my my existence, my history yeah. should actually relate to that. And it's the same for a rugby player and, and everything else. The, the sort of the, the community which we've spoken about and, and referenced and mentioned quite a few times is uh, you know is really important for them to be a huge part of this. But your initiative this year, the allyship alley, yeah. is something which goes way beyond that. And I think that we are at that point now where this isn't something that you know a number of years ago we did some. You know, we did some events around, uh, you know, around LGBTQ plus in different organizations and in different companies. And for the most part, the audience was from that community because you kind of self-select and you say, well, if it's about, you know, if it's about, you know, being gay in sport, that's that's speaking to me. So I want to be a part of that. Whereas now that should be. 10%, 10%, one in 10, or whatever the, you know, whatever that number is of the audience, but it should be for all of us. So all of us who believe that it is right to actually sort of, you know, to, to allow for equality should be interested in this. The allyship alley, it looks great. Um, you know, it's going to be there for the for the Ireland, Republic of Ireland soccer match now in uh, later later on this month. Where did the idea come from? The idea came actually from our own staff. I mean, there was a tremendous level of support 
Um, and, you know, for the for our pride community right from the get go. And there was a genuine desire for, um, you know, people who were not part of the LGBT community, community to get involved, to help out, you know, both in the communication side, marketing and across the organization. And that and that led to and obviously also we'd seen a similar example in the UK that led to the development of the ally model uh, in Aviva. And and now Pride Month, that's the same from our perspective, um, is, you know, a celebration across the organization. It's not just seen as a month for the LGBT community. It's seen as a month uh, for Aviva to celebrate um, Pride internally and externally. And one of the points I, I would make, which is really important for us, but it's what we I think is a major win-win. We have been obviously... Um, in our external communications, um, we have been basically trying to reorientate our brand and include sustainability, diversity, and inclusion into our brand. And it's been great for us. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of people would uh, perceive our sponsorship at the stadium as sponsoring um, a a very middle class sport in rugby and another. Um, Sport, which is broader in demograph in terms of soccer, but both traditional traditional male sports and with stereotypes attached to them. And what we have done, and in fairness, both organisations have done and helped us to do it, is basically then used that as the opportunity to demonstrate that our sponsorship at the stadium is not about those stereotypes, but it, using that to leverage um, our our pride in terms of what we do for other communities as well. So, you know, a couple of years ago at our Pride launch, we had Katie McCabe, the Irish women's national team captain, and Rachel Littlejohn, her partner, they came out um, as part of that. Um, we had, obviously, with Nick McCarthy this year, who's the first, but certainly won't be the last, um, Leinster player to come out in relation to his sexual orientation. And in terms of the organizations look at the progress and i know they themselves want to do more and we all want to do more but those organizations in terms of the strength and how we've seen the growth of women's rugby they've had a tough year this year obviously our women's national team are going to the world cup finals which is seismic and we only have to look at the lionesses so you know that's those are the building blocks in of it's trying to bring it out of just a narrow uh, celebration of pride it's saying pride is part of society pride is part of our organization our sponsorship at the stadium reflects our branding and in terms of what we're trying to do uh both commercially and in what we're trying to do socially um and it's not just about it's that is broader than celebrating the great success of the irish men's rugby team it's into women's soccer women's rugby it's into players from the lgbt plus community and that's what i'm saying the win-win is obviously then in doing that and generating significant brand exposure we start to see that coming back in the brand scores in terms of what you're doing is working what people think about your organization and that then helps in terms of our employer brand um such that people say to us and um you know this is why I want to work for your organization because yeah look you know now we don't you don't and this is a really important thing to say one does not ask anybody about their 
their race orientation, sexual orientation in an interview. You don't know. You can't conclude that. But sometimes people will offer that in an interview and say, look, you know, this is what I am. And this is one of the reasons I want to work for the organization. The interview process now, and obviously because a GDPR is a competency-based process, you sit in front of the, can- the candidate and determine are they fit and right to be able to do the job. You don't say we're picking him, her, because they're that. It's a competency-based process. The challenge is your pipeline. You want to ensure that that pipeline, that the people you're interviewing, reflects society in terms of that you're there's enough females coming for the job. There's enough people of different racial backgrounds as people then. But you can't determine. You can't determine unless somebody. Uh, and indeed, we've I, I've spoken to members of LGBT community to your point, And you made that very well. We said, look, I don't hide the fact that I'm gay, but, I, you know, I just don't want to be defined by it. So I don't want to go out and do the pride. I don't want to. It's not I'm not ashamed of anything. I just don't want to be defined by it. And that doesn't say he's right and somebody else is wrong or vice versa. It's a personal choice. I always like to flip it on its head and I say, well, if there was a if there was a heterosexual pride week, would we expect everybody who's heterosexual to go out and march and uh, and and and, and display their colours in in that sense as well? Um, I think it is. I think it's 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 really important. You know that, you know, we know that 50 percent of the population are female. There or thereabouts. Yeah. We know there's eight to ten percent of the population are gay or there or thereabouts. And yeah. when you look at your own internal numbers, if you're getting close to where those numbers are, then you're doing the right thing in terms of appealing to everybody. Yeah. And, we, and we also know. Well, I think I'm told by my that you know sexuality is 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 a paradigm. It's not binary. It's not not everybody is black and white. You know, uh, it's a bit never too old to learn you know this is the journey i'm on learning about this so you know it's not about absolute numbers and that you know it's about that 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 freedom of not being hemmed in by a description i'm one or other you know and maybe in between i think that's a uh, that that's a great way to uh to to finish up the fact that recognizing the fact that we don't none of us know everything um but the only problem exists is when we're not willing to learn and i yeah. think You've shown over the uh, over the course of this interview, as well as in everything that uh, that Aviva yeah. has been doing over the last number of years, that uh, that you're definitely in that uh, in that camp. For want of a better phrase, I guess. Um, Brian O'Neill, uh, head of sponsorship and of looking after sustainability at Aviva. Thank you very much for taking the time to oh, be with us. My it. pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on, and uh, it was great to talk to you. Thanks a lot. You can find out more about what we do in the space where sport and business come together at sportforbusiness.com and join us every Tuesday and Thursday for our latest podcast across a range of issues from leadership and social good to sponsorship, women in sport, technology and so much more. You can subscribe to these wherever you get your podcasts with one single click and it would be great to have you join our leading community of sports business professionals. Have a great rest of your day.